All right, I'll say bless the Lord. If you say, oh my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Good evening, Kairos. I'm the pastor here. I'm Chris. And we are wrapping up our series, Autopsy of a Dead Christian. And I can't think of a better way than to do that than for us to come to the table together as a family tonight. Now, um, we've gone through this series, and a lot of times I will say each sermon in a series are like my kids. I love them all, but there are certain ones that get on my nerves less. Um, And so I really enjoyed uh, when we looked at prayer as being one of the evidences of new life in a believer, that if you were to dissect a dead Christian, you would find certain things that prove that they were a follower of Christ. And when we did um, our talk on prayer, one of the things that we looked at is John and Jesus's words that says, whatever you ask, know that it's heard and you already have it. Or Jesus saying, hey, if my words abide in you and you in my words, ask whatever you wish and it's yours. And we looked at some of the discrepancies sometimes between the reality of Jesus's teaching and our experience in our prayer life. So if you're okay, I've got a short exercise for us to do right off the bat tonight. Um, There should be prayer cards at the corner of every aisles in those buckets. So if you'll grab that bucket, Grab a prayer card and there's a pen in there. And if you'll start passing those down, you guys got them on the floor, you can find it. I, I believe in you. If you can't, just raise your hand. Hey, balcony people, we put some up there for you because we know you like to sit there. Gotcha, you're welcome. That's where our really charismatic people listen to the service so they can just karate chop a lot during worship. So we love you and thank you for not assaulting us in the name of Jesus. So get a prayer card, and here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. Write the one thing you want from God right now. Picture this, that on that card right now, it says, God, I want, and you fill in the sentence. Some of you are like, only one? I've got eight. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know what to write, and your friend's gonna grab your prayer card and says, I'll take that. I'd like two, please. God, I want. While you're writing that, I'm just gonna encourage you. Uh, this past week, uh, in my quiet times, I was in Psalm 86, and it says this, the Lord is our sun and shield. He bestows upon us honor and favor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God, I want, channel your inner blind beggar on the side of the road that says, son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, don't pass us by. And Jesus stops and says, what do you want me to do for you? One thing, write it out. God, I want, this would declare and demonstrate your love and power in my life right now. Some of you have been told it's selfish to do this, and you're gonna have to overcome a spirit of religiosity and discover a spirit of intimacy that you can approach the throne with confidence and boldness and be reminded we'd rather our prayers go unanswered than unasked. God, I want. You got it? 30 more seconds, and then pens down. I've always wanted to say that. It's like the Christian ACT. (laughs) Thanks. 
Got it? Five, four, three, two, one. Pens down. All right, now watch this. Are you ready? This is going to be awesome. At least in my mind it is. I'm going to do a pastor parlor trick, okay? I'm going to predict with 99.999% degree of accuracy every prayer that was just written in this room, okay? Now, I do have the spiritual gift of prophecy, and that doesn't mean I can predict the future. That just means I love foretelling what I think God's good intentions are for us. I'm not even going to use that gift for this. I'm going to lean into discernment and my pastoral abilities, okay? Are you ready? 99% degree of accuracy. Go ahead, look at yours. Look at your prayer request. Don't look at your friends. Get it in your mind so I can kind of get that vibe. Are you looking at it? You got it? Okay, watch this. Every prayer that was just written in this room was asking God for this. I want to love and be loved. Nailed it. I want to love and be loved. Every prayer that was written falls into those categories right there. How, what do you mean, Chris? That's not what I wrote. I would say that if you ask for something for yourself, God, I need this relationship, I need this job, I need financial provision, I need healing, I need deliverance from addiction, I need clarity, I need wisdom, I need to know what the next steps are. What are you asking for? You are simply asking God, I want to see, know, feel, and experience your love, your safety, your concern, and the worth that you see in me by providing this. You're asking for the love of God to be tangible in your life. Now, some of you are like, <laughs> nice try, Chris. Didn't get mine because I prayed for somebody else. Well, congratulations, gold star for you in the kingdom of God today. You are super Christian and you actually leveraged your moment of faith and prayer for someone else. That's awesome. I would still say that what you are asking for is an opportunity for more love. You prayed for someone. Father, would you save them? Would you heal them? Would you put forgiveness? Would you put reconciliation? Would you put restoration? Some of those things that you prayed for yourself, us prayed for ourselves, you prayed for someone else. And what are you asking? God, would you demonstrate your love in this person's life so that we can experience and share more love together? Why do all of our prayers anchor themselves in love and be loved? It's simply this. A longing for love lives in every human heart. A longing for love lives in every human heart. The Bible tells us as much, that we were created in the image of God and that nothing will satisfy our souls like the love that God has for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is what we were wired for, this is what we were designed for, and this is what the Bible continues to tell us how we will flourish. And I wanna read a passage of scripture that tells us just that. You were designed to love and be loved. We'll be in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Let me pray for us as we're turning there. Holy Spirit, as we read your word, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, we need you to go before us in this text and make a way. And together we say... Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. So you can go ahead and um, put your prayer card in your Bible or in your back pocket on your way out. If you would trust us with it, hang it on the prayer wall 
If it's something you don't want anybody to see, just stick it in the giving station and we would be delighted to pray for you, for God to provide to you opportunities to love and be loved this week. And this is our basis for that. First uh, John chapter four, starting verse seven. Dear friends, or better translated, beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So there it is. Simple, right? Love and be loved. Absolutely simple, but incredibly difficult to execute. Our last night in the series is about loving others, and what we just got is the secret formula and recipe for that. Love and be loved. Um, on our Instagram account, Kairos Nashville, um, we did a, a poll, an Insta story, and we asked you this question. What's easier, for you to love God or love others? And the results came in, 58% of you said it's easier to love God, 42% of you said it's easier to love others. Was that a trick question? Absolutely, because you can't do one without the other. But some of us find it easier to love God to understand his love for us and to engage in him, it's just people that are really, really tough. Why? Because you're frustrating and you get on our nerves. And that's incredibly difficult. Let's just, me and God, we can hang out all day long, but love others? Some of us are like, it's easy to love others. I can see you. <laughs> you can give me facial feedback, nonverbals. You can hug me. I can be reassured of it. You are allowed to go to the store and buy me a present to demonstrate your great love for me. God, however, on the other hand, I can't see him, and sometimes I struggle to experience his love and show him love in our relationship. But John is saying simply this, you can't do one without the other. Christ died so that we could love and that we could be loved. Now, I just two observations um, before we come to the table. One, why do we feel so inefficient and deficient when it comes to loving and being loved? One, love by nature is sacrificial and we by nature are selfish. And we have to constantly fight that. Love by nature is sacrificial and we by nature are selfish. Which is, by the way, is why marriage and parenting are two of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. Because it's constant sacrifice. I haven't talked to a married couple in a while that just uh, said, hey man, how's your marriage going? It's awesome, we're so in love. I can't stop sacrificing for her. She's amazing, I don't want anything in return. It doesn't matter what she does for me, I just wanna give, 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 give. Amazing, not had that conversation yet. I have not had a conversation with a parent where, hey man, how are your kids treating you this week? They are the best thing ever. I love it when someone calls my name 9,000 times. I love sacrificing my finances, my body, my face, my age, my clothes, for also for my kids. It's incredible. I love spending $9,000 to go to the movies with my kids. And when they ask for popcorn, I'm like, yes, let's give you more. How can I give you more? This is incredible. Best thing I've ever done with my life. 
Love by nature is sacrificial. We by nature are selfish. And some of us have a distorted view of love that thinks I'll always feel like loving you. Perhaps the true test of love is when it actually becomes sacrificial and your feelings don't line up and you choose to step into it regardless. That's covenant love. That's agape love. And that's the kind of love that God is describing to us through Jesus Christ. This is love. Not that we love God, but God loved us while we were yet sinners and Christ died for us. Second observation is simply this. Maybe a a reason we have a difficult time in loving God, loving others, is because we don't yet know how to love ourselves. You'll notice when Jesus was doing this teaching, he said, love Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. Awesome scripture. What did I just leave out? As yourself. Some of us have never fully experienced and accepted the forgiveness, the compassion, um, and the value and the worth that God wants to give to us, so therefore we are unable to express it to others. We've only let him come so far, and we said, stop right there. Your love will not apply to this brokenness in me. So therefore, when it's time for us to love others, we can only go so far. Maybe the reason that we struggle to love and to be loved is we not yet received it, applied it, and experienced it ourselves. Let me give you a quick example of how this has played out in my life. Um, and the question I want us to guide this before we come to the table is this. What part do you play in your life that earns you love rather than receives love? What part have you learned to play in your life that earns love rather than just receives love? What do I mean by that? Um, the role I learned to play um, as a kid in my family of origin, in my friendships, and in my relationships was, I'm the funny one. That's how I can get affection and approval. If you're laughing or looking at me or I become the center of attention, bam, I've got it. I've got this gaping wound and need in my soul to be loved and to valued and to be worthy, but secretly I don't think I'm lovable, I don't think I'm worthy, and I don't think I'm valuable. So what part do I play to merit love in my life? And for me, it was always being the guy who acts out, the one who's the class clown, the one who makes all the jokes, the one who says inappropriate things at the wrong time and gets in lots of trouble, but hey, as long as I was cool on the way to the office, score. I'm in my late 20s, I'm working for a ministry, and along comes my wonderful friend, Amy Mixon, who my wife was incredible friends with, and she said, Chris, she's the female version of you. I don't know if that was a compliment um, or if it was an insult. Either way, we were wired a lot alike. Both class clowns, center of attention, we ham it up, yuck it up, you get us both in the same place, and it just explodes. And with us together, you would either love us or hate us. Either way, as long as you were giving us attention, we were satisfied. One day we're working in the warehouse and I don't remember what was happening. I was holding court for some reason. I'm yucking it up and I'm nailing it. I've got one funny line after another. I'm making jokes. People are bending over laughing and I see Mixon walk by. She gives me a sideward glance and I just said one line that slays everyone. She looks at me and shouts, love me, Papa. And I was so offended and so thankful for her honesty. Because what was she saying in that? Every joke I tell, every time I act out, every time I want your attention, what am I saying? Love me, Papa. 
And that became actually a joke between us. Whenever we would see each other acting the fool, like, you'd say one line and the other one would go from across the room, love me, Papa, I need attention that I didn't get. And what it was to some extent was she was wounded and flawed just the same way I was. And we had a desperate cry in each of our souls that we wanted the love and the affection and the value and the worth, not only from our earthly father, but even more so from our heavenly father. My question for you is what part do you play that if you were to translate it in the spiritual realm, it simply says, love me, Papa. What part have you learned to play? It's probably not the funny one. If it is, you and I can relate um, and we'll be in competition with one another. Um, Some of you are the smart ones. Some of you are the achievers. Some of you are the planners. Some of you are the partiers. Some of you are the ones that you never do anything wrong. Some of you are the ones you never do anything right. Some of you live up to everyone's expectations and others of you rebel against everyone's expectations. Some of you are the ones that always have your act together. Some of you are that determined, I'll never have my act together. Some of you play the part of, I'm just the quiet one who steps back into the shadows and I have no part to play and you're playing it perfectly. Some of us are the listeners. Some of us are the talkers. What part do you play? Some of us are the givers. Some of us are the takers. But I submit to you that the part that Jesus played in redeeming us and saving us and resurrecting us in the eyes of God means that you have love and you have value and you don't have to play a specific role to earn love, you can receive it. Then you can play whatever part you need to in a healthy way. Why? You're not manipulating others for something only God can give you. That way you can actually love others in a healthy way, a sacrificial way, not a bargaining way that says, hey, if I do this for you, will you do this for me? And if you're not gonna do this for me, then why would I do it for you in the first place? Love and be loved. Incredibly simple, very difficult to live into. The way that um, Boggs was asking me this as we were talking through this, he said, if your identity is wrapped up in what you do, what's gonna happen when you don't do what you do anymore? Do you still think you'll have value? Will you still be able to receive love? Will you still be able to give love? What part do you play that you think earns you love? And what role does God want you to step into so that you can receive love? Amen.